say I'm so happy to see everybody here today, but I'm happy to be here with all of you today so that we can, <laughs> sorry, um, so that we can worship the Lord our God in a joyful no noise this morning. So if you will bow your heads with me. Dear God, thank you for this opportunity to come before you this morning so we can sing our hearts out for you. I love being able to come and worship you every Sunday. So just be with us as we do that in your name. One, two, one, two, three, four. Verse. Let the king of my heart be mine. The fountain I drink from, oh, he is my song. Let the king of my heart be mine. The right oh, he is my song. You are good, good, oh, good, oh. You are good, good, oh, good. King of my heart, be the wind inside my sail. 
you might be able to hear me yeah I knew it was gonna happen but that song was so appropriate because I talk about communion this is the place where we take in reality that God is here he's with us and he's meeting us right here in this time when we take communion preparing for a communion meditation which I've done once or twice in my life I came to Corinthians 11 which is something I normally do when I think about about communion and he's he's fussing at the Corinthian church about the way they're taking the Lord's Supper that they're just not taking it in a worthy manner they're kind of going through the motions even some of you are eating too much and you know we know that that cracker and that grape juice there's nothing magical in there you know it's just grape juice has probably been in there way a cracker I don't know what that stuff what matters is what it represents what it represents and Paul tells them that in the in the next few verses starting verse 23 where he says for I received from the Lord Jesus on the night he was betrayed took bread and when he gave him thanks he broke it and said this is my body which is for you do this in remembrance of me that you're remembering Jesus's body that he sacrificed Ooh, I need to back away here and in the same way after supper see it's okay to call it supper not dinner he took the cup, new covenant in my blood. Do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me. And then, then he says, for whenever you eat this bread and drink this comes, you're acknowledging that, that Jesus died for you so that you could be saved. And when he comes back, you get to be with him. That's the purpose to remember why we're here. You didn't get up and, and take a bath and get dressed to come here and, and just be here. You came here because of Jesus as we partake of these elements. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, we are so thankful that you give us this time of remembrance, these, these reminders of, of what you've done for us in this time of remembrance. And we, we thank you for that death that was given on that cross, that blood that was shed that, that gives us hope. And Lord, may you bless as they nourish our souls, knowing that we are, we are saved by the blood that it represents. And we thank you for the body of Jesus that he was willing to give us.
now we come to the time where we talk about the offering and you know those ways you've got the boxes in both lobbies and there is the the online by mail we'll take your money however you want to bring it but the reality is it takes it's a tool and we like our padded seats and the air conditioning's really working today so and I'm 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 glad of that because when it gets cold we're glad to have heat but it does take money to make the ministry happen here at Real Life Christian Church. But it being Real Life Christian Church, we're still waiting on the IRS to change some things so that we can be Real Life Christian Church when you write your check. I'm still write your checks out to Woodstock Christian Church until we get all our information back. All right, let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for the, the gifts you give us and, and the ability that you give us. Every good gift we have in this world it is from you and, and we would have nothing without your blessings. And Lord, I pray that that as we give back just a small portion of that which you've blessed us with, yes. and that you give tithes and offerings to, to knowledge and the foresight and the vision to grow your kingdom that honors the sacrifice of your son Jesus Christ. And it's in his name we pray. Amen. Now I've got one more thing I need to talk about before we get into the sermon and naturally t-shirts. I think I've got a picture of them there somewhere. And uh, if, if you need them, you can get T-shirts, small through extra large. Christy will be out there taking your, your money and your order. There for some extras that if you want to buy one later. But it's $15 for a small through extra large. And if you're like me, you've got to pay the extra $3 and get the bigger sizes. So the same thing in the polos. If you want a polo with the, the name on it, and they're $15 or $18. And lastly, if you want a fancy one, you just got to pay a little more. And you can get a bleach shirt for what we would say, my mom and dad say, you've taken a ruined shirt and making something wonderful out of it. So $20, and one reason of us out in the public, but also when we have big events, like the Christmas and trunk or treat, or, well, trunk or treat, you'll probably be wearing something else. But we can wear our shirts, and people can come and say, Hey, I need some help. They'll know because you're wearing your real-life Christian church shirt, and you can help them. Okay, now we're going to move on to this series, and if I didn't get to your question, it's because it was the kind of question that's going to require a series of its own. So some of those questions will come out later in those series, and, and, and it'll be a series called Real Life. And we're going to talk about how real it is to be a Christian, how we are real people with a real struggle trying to God and he's here to help us so this last question was a doozy and it's one that make people cringe when I bring it up here is does it matter what denomination you were saved in he's not going there he's not going there is he well the, the, the answer is really pretty simple does it matter can you be saved if you were in another but don't you like it when I throw that in there but there was a, a Methodist minister named J. Gordon Milton and list of churches. Do you know how many different denominations there are in the United States? 1,517 denominations in the United States. Now, he includes all kinds of groups, including cults, into this because they claim to have Christian backgrounds. They, he includes them too. 
But there are also a few peculiar, I would say, groups. That's a nice way to put it. Such as the, the Church of the Mystery of the Universal Wisdom. They can communicate with aliens and they seek guidance from fine saucers. Yeah, really. Then there's the Embassy of Heaven. It's in straight and earthly government's illegitimate and it issues its own license plates for your car. Now, I'm yet to figure out how Oregon honors that system, but I don't know. I caught this one to be really interesting. It was the, the nudist Christian church of the blessed virgin Jesus. Now, how do you put the word nudist and for the blessed virgin? Same sentence. I'm not sure what this group teaches, but I bet you'd recognize them a mile off. They'd be the ones with no clothes on. But the last one that caught my attention was the Church of God Anonymous. Anonymous. They're kind of hard to find. <laughs> there are some odd ducks in the list. I mean, some real odd ones. And some of them were so bad I couldn't even tell you the name out loud. But they... You know, but in that list of 1,517 denominations, there are groups that we would probably consider to be more normal, as normal as we could be. There are, you know, we denominations that call themselves Baptists. 88 different ones that call themselves Baptists. There are 42 different versions of the Methodist Church. So there's 42, 88, and 22 different kinds of Presbyterians. That list goes on and on and on. So Christians got all kinds of flavors. You know? You think about that. So we've got to contrast that with the reality of statements out of Scripture. I want you to see what I'm talking about. When it comes to where you go to church, it should be based on Scripture, not on the name on the building. And here's what Paul wrote in Philippians. Whatever hand worthy of the gospel of Christ. Then whether I come and see you or only hear about you in my absence, I will know that you stand firm in one spirit, contending as one man. And then in Ephesians, Paul writes, make every effort to keep the unity of the spirit through the bond of peace. There is one body and one spirit, just as you were called, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is over all and through all and in all I told you he says I appeal to you brothers in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ that all of you agree with one another should I stop among you and that you may be perfectly united in mind and thought and then of course Jesus said this my prayer is not for them alone I pray also their message you are in me and I am in you May they also be in us so that the world may believe that you have sent me. So he's praying there. Jesus. These scriptures intriguing because they basically all say the same thing. The church should be one. One. Not all these names, but one. The church should be. But do you ever think that we'll ever attain that goal? Well, the, the early church, all of that. The church had been in existence for only three or four years when 
God had Peter baptize Gentiles without having them circumcised. You know, because I don't want to know how they know. No, I don't want to know. But um, you see, that created such that all been circumcised that they had to hold a big gathering in Jerusalem to hash it all out. And at the meeting, Peter and Paul gave testimony of what God had already done among the leaders of the church, sent out a letter to all the churches telling them that Gentile converts didn't have to be circumcised to be saved. Did that settle the issue? The circumcisers went, I would not want to be known as that. They went from church to church telling Gentile converts that they were not saved. And it became such a divisive and troublesome issue that the major portion of Paul's letter was spent combating against this heresy. So even the early, does that mean we'll ever get it done? Probably not. Does that mean we shouldn't try? No, we should try. We don't even try that, that they look at all the different denominations and conclude that you'll never get it done. So why even try it? Why would we even try? I read one man's sermon this week to a bunch of crayons. And he, he said they're all varying denominations, had their own particular colors and distinctions, but in the end they would all end up in the same box. That's a very colorful illustration. My dad jokes are terrible today, aren't they? But I also found it to be very unbiblical church to pursue unity it says here though to stand firm in one spirit contending as one man for the faith of the gospel make bond of peace and then it says agree with one another so that there may be no divisions among you that you may be perfectly united in mind and thought they're marching orders they are this is the overriding objective of the church is to be unified because a unified body of believers can do great things for the kingdom and fighting with each other. In John 17, Jesus didn't predict unity. He prayed for it. He pled for unity. And he prayed for unity because he had difficulty for his church because we're all different. It, if it is so critical an issue that Jesus made it a key priority of his prayer life, but how do we do that? Well, there's three ways that people have tried to obtain unity. There have been those who have pursued, pursued that box of simply say that every church who claims to be a Christian church is one. Just because you claim you, you're a Christian church, it means you are. If I claim to be president, does that make me president? The problem with that conclusion, we'd be forced to accept cults, wouldn't we? Those who claim to be Christian but hold a perverted view of God in Christ and add teach. That's not going to work. And then there are those who have tried to focus on the doctrines that the majority of churches agree on. And use that as, we all find something we agree on, right? Essentially say we could... We could boil it all down to the lowest common denominator and that would that we could essentially agree on 
That would be the basis of our unity. Religious circles, it's called, now this is one of those words you're going to make fun of me. Ecumenicalism. I said it right. You like that word? Ecumenicalism. This is where the idea that coexist came from. And you've seen stickers, haven't you? Some of you may even have one of your own. However, to coexist, we would have to agree. I'm not claiming war against people who believe different than us. I'm not talking about going out and, and protesting and, and fighting against these people. I'm just not going to go hang out with them in with what they teach. I think we should. We have the freedom to believe what we want to believe. And we want to hold on to that freedom. Otherwise, we'll, we won't be able to gather like this. The idea that we can all worship how we want to, who we want to, and we all roads lead to heaven is dangerous. Jesus said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life, and no one comes to the Father except through me. And he laid out a detailed plan of salvation that we're called to follow. And I saw a list of seven doctrines, you know, things like the divinity of Christ. Sure, it's all about Jesus. But the sinfulness of man, we can all agree we're all full of sin, right? And the need for salvation by the blood of Jesus. Effort. There's an attempt to echo something said by Augustine some hundred you know, several hundred years ago, he said this. He said, in essentials, unity, but in all things, love. You've heard that before. It's a good saying, and it's one of the concepts behind this ecumenical approach. But there's, you know, lowest common denominator. It focuses on what most denominations can agree on. And essentially, it's based on a majority vote. So when I... I told a story about a denomination that, that voted on their doctrine every couple of years. You remember that story? Probably, I bet you don't. Do you remember anything I said? Well, this often becomes a result of economic, you know, that word. And often when they vote, and churches that have tried this on the basis they they often end up with a soft pudgy kind of faith that really stands for nothing it's been a very little power exciting because they don't take a stand on anything they don't stand up and the second problem with this is that it tries to have unity while ignoring the principal causes for for division ignores unbiblical terminology that a lot of churches use it ignores man-made names traditions and creeds it ignores many different ways that in previous churches I've served, and here in Cherokee County we have a ministerial group from all the denominations, and we meet together, and, and from time to time you have services to get paid in that because here's what happens when we do. We get together, we plan this service, and it comes up to the invitation time, you know, the, the, end, the end of the service. And you've got things. I said, well, what are we going to do? Have five different invitations? I mean, we've had that problem. We're going to have five different invitations? Well, you can cuss in this way and that way and, and just see what happens. Well, I'm not going to be a part of that. I'm not going to be a part of that. It's not that I dislike those people. You can tie two cat's tails together and you have a union, but you do not have unity. True, right? They are united, you know. 
and appealing as, as this movement is, and it, and it sounds good, doesn't it? Essentially, it's the practice of tying two cats' tails together in potential conflict. Now, there's a third approach to unity, that, and it's the one that Jesus spoke of in his prayer. He says, sanctify them by the truth. He was saying that the only way to true unity was through his word. This right here. Not be attained by consensus. True unity cannot be gained by a majority vote. Majority vote. Unity in Christ can only be obtained. We have to agree that this is God's word and we're going to live by it and it alone. That's the only thing that really matters. One of our prominent motives is eventually ripped off from Augustine. We're good at stealing stuff from other people, you know. It says, in essentials, unity, in opinions, liberty, but in all. And it's true, in essentials. What's essential? This is. And if it's not in here, I'm not talking about it. Not scripturally, not, not that way. There's no such thing as gray area. There's really not. We create it when we want to go just kind of step off on toe that line and see, well, I might be able to do this and not it in that matter and make it. It's pretty simple. If you've got to make an excuse that, well, it's not in the Bible, then you probably shouldn't do it. Churches believe as well, but, but we reject the notion that unity can be established on the basis of consensus. We believe that most of what cre creates division in Christianity, man-made tradition, man-made terminology. We've always taught that it doesn't matter what a church and our denomination believes, it only matters what they can support through Scripture. That's the reason a lot of them add stuff to Scripture, so they can justify what they do. Do I need to tell you who those guys are? They walk around knocking. Is that enough information? So, but it can be difficult us to, to decide how freely we can fellowship. It can be difficult, can it? Because you don't want to be mean to people. Do you? We're not an exclusive country club or something. I'm approached by, by some within the church about inviting denominational churches to come and speak. And, and I consider it. And I even talk to these groups. But when I talk to the groups about things, you know, the doctrinal things that we we don't have people bow their heads and say, that usually ends the deal. And why don't we allow it? Well, because it's not found in here. The Bible nowhere gives us an example of anyone bowing their head and praying the sinner's prayer to accept Jesus in their heart. You aware of that? It's not in here. Done it. I don't question you on that, but I don't promote that because I don't find it in these words. I don't find it, but in reality, only. And guess what? If it's not in the Bible, I'm not teaching it. We tell these groups that they're welcome to come and sing on our stage or have a program, whatever they do, but, but they're not welcome to introduce man-made doctrines. And most of the time that ends the conversation and they don't want to come anyway. I want unity. I can call the people 
in the church next door, my brothers and sisters. I can do that. But we do solely on land. So we live in a culture where over 1,500 denominations with their various, you know, doctrines. We know that. We have to come into reality that, that we live in that world, don't we? We live in America where we have the freedom of religion. Problem is, it's the freedom of whatever. It's not so in some of these countries, especially the Islamic countries, where if you don't believe, believe and you're Islamic, you, you become a Christian, you're dead. I'm glad we're not those people. I'm glad we don't kill people for believing different than we do. Because when you kill them, they don't have any chance of learning the truth. But, but not for the sake of throwing away everything we stand for. You see, there's with all these different doctrines, how can we strive to create unity in this divisive atmosphere that we live in? We know that there, our country is divided. We know that, don't we? Don't they all storm the Capitol? Right? That's the world we live in. Whether it's right or wrong or whatever, it's mad. And we're, the first thing we need to realize is it's not an issue that we can afford to ignore. We can't pretend this is not going on. We can't pretend that there's not division amongst Christianity. High priority. And Jesus desires it. Therefore, retreating into a fortress and drawing up the drawbridge is not an option. We shouldn't just come in here and shut the doors and say, well, let them believe what they want to believe. That's not how it works. We're commanded to seek the creation of unity. We don't surrender our principles. We can't solve the problem by simply ignoring it. Knowing what we believe would help more than anything. Knowing why you believe what you believe. That means sometimes, guess what? We've been, sometimes you have been taught wrong and sometimes you are wrong. Yeah. Can you admit that? Can you admit that at some time? You I had to come to that realization on lots of things. I look back at some of my first sermons I preached and I say, did I really say that? Did I really believe? But I've learned to learn and grow and know what you believe is if you're in this. If you're really in the word. And you've got to be careful. There are commentaries that will lead you astray. There are books. People write great books that are very persuasive. But they're not always true. Supported by scripture fully. Not take a little piece of a verse and write 10,000 pages on it. But if it's not fully supported, then you don't go there. The idea that, that Christ is our only creed and, and this is the only book of authority. And Christian is the only name we go by and we love as the law guides and binds us. But this is I can tell. You know, the, the next one that I want to say is we must never argue. All you married couples, look, we must never argue. Some of you are going, ain't no way I'm going to say that. Now, this is a tough one, isn't it? I find it hard not to believe what I believe, and I believe very strongly in it. Do you? And I'm willing to stand up and, and argue, but I don't get anywhere when I do that. 
If you're convinced you're right and the other person is wrong, it's right. So you have to turn up the volume and shout them into submission. Does that sound familiar? Well, here's what Timothy said. Well, Paul said to Timothy, rather, stupid arguments. I like the way he used those words. Because you know they produce quarrels. And the Lord's servant must not quarrel. Instead, he must be kind to teach, not resentful. Those who oppose him, he must gently instruct in the hope that God will grant them repentance, leading them to the knowledge of the truth. Arguing doesn't leave any room for God to do his thing. It doesn't allow the Holy Spirit to work. If I get quarrelsome, I try to be the authority and the power when I work. You know, there was a time when I worked in the home health field as a chaplain. So I was in a lot of people's homes of all kinds of different beliefs. And during this time, I was also preaching bivocationally at East End Christian Church in Bristol, Virginia. And I was visiting a sweet lady that was in the last part of her life. She was a sweet, not so sweet. Three of those people. She lived with her daughter, and often her, her grandkids and her great-grandkids were around. And, and, well, they always wanted to argue with me. They wanted to bring it up over and over and over again. And I'm over there one afternoon, and, and the whole family's there, and they just keep pushing me pushing me, wanting to, to get more information. And I said, that's not what I'm here for. I'm here to be her friend, not to argue with you over this stuff. And I kept trying to change the subject, saying, I'm not going to talk about that today. That's not why I'm here. And finally, I could see that they were getting mad. And they just wanted to keep going. So I said, it's time for me to go. And I went to my car feeling like I was a failure, and I prayed for God to for forgive me. Lord, forgive me, I didn't stand up today. Well, I went back the next week, and they were all there when I pulled in. I thought, oh, no, here we go again. And different, though. Instead of an arguing and condemning manner, they were asking legitimate questions. They were giving me an opportunity to argue. And when I asked why the tone had changed, they said every time they go around church people, all they wanted to do was argue. And I was the first preacher they'd ever seen. That, so my willingness opened the door for the Holy Spirit to work in their life and for them to listen. I wish I could say I did the same, but I did not. But I learned from that. And I want you to learn from that. You know. So let's realize this is not on the basis of Scripture. It has got to be priority. You base it on the Bible. Know what you believe and why you believe it. Stay away from trying to argue people into God's word. People. Most people don't care what you know. What they want to know is how much you care. And they won't listen to you unless they know you truly love them and you care. Are the principal concepts behind our motto? In essentials, unity. In option. In, a, in opinions, liberty. And in all things, love. So when it comes to denominations by arguing, but with love you can. Let's be really honest before I close this sermon. Most of us has been, we've been taught wrongly at some point. And they're wrong, but, but to pass, they thought it was the truth. And when, when people, they, they often end up trying to make good Baptists, good Methodists, good Presbyterians, good Catholics. 
That's the biggest problem I have in denominationalism is when you go to their church, they say, go be a good Baptist or a good Presbyterian or a good Methodist. I say, go be a good Christian. Take you into anything else but a Christian, a follower of Jesus Christ. And what people really need is to be doing, they need to be converting people to be followers names, but that means we have to lead them there, not drag them. Or argue them into it, but lead them there. See, the our movement is not the only Christians, but Christians only. So where do you fall in that area? I'm going to live like a Christian, and I hope you will too. And others will see that, and they'll want to be a part of it. Now, don't go out. Don't go out here and attack all your people that go to denominational churches. Because that, that would not. That would be one of those stupid arguments that you would get. And just maybe that will open the door for you to have that conversation with them. Let us pray. We thank you for your, your grace and your mercy. We're thankful for your word that teaches us what it means to be a follower of your son, Jesus. We know that following him comes at great sacrifice because his sacrifice was the ultimate one. And, and may we take that as inspiration. That, Lord, we don't live for ourselves, but we live because he lived and because he rose out of that grave he gives us hope and may you help us to share that hope with the rest one is listening today and they have they don't have that hope I pray Lord that you convict their heart that they need to to run to Jesus Lord may we may we desire You know, we, we come to this time where we, we offer that, that plan of salvation. It's the opportunity to where if, if you don't know Jesus, you can come forward and, and confess him. as. First, you have to believe that Jesus is Jesus is. You have to believe, but believing won't get you there, will it? The devil believes. You've got to come, repent of your sins, be baptized, receive the Holy Spirit. you haven't done that you need to make that decision and if you've got any questions in your salvation then settle it settle it today don't wait I want to be sure I want to be positive that I'm going to heaven when I die make that decision today just but make it right out of this door questioning whether or not you're going to heaven. If that's you, come make that decision. Maybe some pain or hurt that's hampering your relationship with God, and you need to come up here and pray about it.
Come up here, we'll pray with you. But whatever it is, relationship with Jesus Christ, that's all you need to be thinking about right now. Not what's for lunch or how much longer Kirby's going to go on. You need to be thinking about your relationship. That's all that matters. If you need to get right in that relationship, don't put it off. So whatever decision you have to make, make it. Just don't let it go. Lord. Hall, um, hot lot lunch at 12, 
been there for the application. And then I have a set of notes for the announcement. Softball, if anybody is free and wants to come out 7.30 on Tuesday night at Hobgood, our team is playing again. Um, we won't say how. Um, <laughs> but we did. Um, but it would be really nice if more everybody on. I have a ton of jerseys still that um, can be purchased to help represent the team and cheer us on. Good. Yeah, I do want to add is you got two weeks to sign up for that GPO event. Two weeks. And they're going to go eat, too. Afterwards, if you don't want to go do the project, sign up and tell them you want to come to eat with them at 5 o'clock. Um, I don't have to see the church. You want to? And get dressed up. And I hope some of you took a bath today. <laughs> but if you got up and you came in here, if we don't take it and take it into the world. All right. It's supposed to be here this week. And we're going to have all this promotional material and, and just go tell everybody about Real Life Christian Church. Because we want to be authentic. That's the reason we changed the name to what it is. Christian. Real people living a real faith together. All right, let's go be that church. I'll be up here for just a little while after if you've got anything you need to talk to me about. Kenny, will you do something? Dear God, you are wonderful. You are so gracious Nothing is better than you. 